So here comes another episode of Astonishing Legends, and I think I should just immediately point out it's not about the Coral Castle. I, I don't think there is a huge throng of people really being disappointed by it. Yeah. Because I know you, I know you, you announced it. Where? On our webpage? I announced Everywhere. it. Uh, we teased it on episode number nine, yeah. and then to saying it was going to be number 10, okay. and then number 10 was not it. <laughs> and then in number 10, we did not tease it, but yeah. in the newsletter that went out announcing number 10, I right. said it'll be number 11. And now this is number 11, and guess what it's not about? <laughs> so it's on like 10 to 15 different platforms where you've painted well, your... Yes. I told you not to do that. I and we've know, got, but you've no, got to make a commitment to no, the fans, that's the, to the yes, listeners. I know, burning Cortez's ships. Cortez yes. burning his ships. Is that right, Cortez? Uh, yeah. He, or is that just a... Uh, Cortez a, burned his ship. As a result, his <laughs> men were well motivated. <laughs> One of Scott's favorite movies, if you haven't seen it, Hunt for Red October, which I just watched because he talks about it so much. Yeah, I had seen it years ago, but I had to refresh my memory. And uh, that's Scott's idea, is let's just always announce the next thing, which is, that's fine. Except that, you know, schedules get in the way, and that's what happened this time, or actually the last couple of times. Yeah, well, we're, we're on a tight schedule, and in reality... For us, it, yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and when it comes to pre and post production, it's just me. It's I, one guy. Stop rubbing. No, no, no. Right I'm now. not saying this to make you feel bad. You got a full time yeah. job. You got to right. pay your rent. Right. And I'm. It's awesome that you're in the studio. That's where we need you to be. Yeah. But I, I'm one guy. No, that's that is true. He's you know? he's doing as they say most all of the heavy lifting on this thing and uh, my hat's off to you scott because it's it is quite a monumental job i also do post-production i know about this world and just how time consuming it is and you have to not only do you have to actually just do it you have to make creative decisions as you go along well it's it's getting easier and easier on the plus side and, I, I hope we're getting and, better I, and, you know, to our listeners well yeah. i hope so too <laughs> And so, and so do they, I'm sure. A couple of angry guys I like to refer to on iTunes. <laughs> what the, you don't know if they're They want guys us to kill the sound effects. Well, I, that's the but thing. You know what? I don't know if that... I'm going to get better yeah. about the sound. They need to be in there. Trust I don't me, know. You know what? I was going to... Uh, that's another thing that we. I thought we could talk about. My execution has been a little sloppy, and that's my fault. That's not our sound design. No, I don't fault. think so. It was, well, yeah. I've called for too many, or I've cut them in the wrong way. I, I think that episode 10 was a much more elegant use of them, and it's going to be the model going forward. I didn't know if we should bring this up to our listeners, but, you know, we had an idea for the show to be a little bit of a theater of the mind kind of thing. So to help paint pictures in your head as we're speaking and as our guests are telling a story or what have you, we come from an editorial background. So we love that kind of thing. But I, I understand that there's a few people out there that may think that they get in the way or they slow the story down. But I think the overall response has been positive to a little bit here and there. Yes. You know, obviously it's not going to be wall-to-wall, morning zoo, well, Spike you know, Jones I went crazy. types of sound effects. I went crazy on the Halloween special, but I was trying to have fun. It was <laughs> Halloween. No, that's what I'm saying. We should but be, I think I might have went a we should have fun. crazy. No, you know what? And if we're not having fun with it, then, then why do it? it yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not, it's not a science podcast. It's not political. Yeah. This, these are supposed to be fun topics right. that we're enjoying talking about that are supposed to be entertaining, oh, I think, a, first and foremost. It's a podcast rooted in cursory research. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I begged you to stop saying that. Welcome back to Astonishing Legends. I'm Scott Philbrook, and this is Forrest Burgess. For many years, it seemed as if nothing changed in Norway. You could leave the country for three months, travel the world, through coup d'etat, massacres, and tsunamis, and come home to find that the only new thing in the newspapers was the crossword puzzle. Yo Nesbo. I don't know how to... How do you say your name? It has an unusual uh, accent to it. Marisol. 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 Yeah. Okay. But, you know, Marisol's fine, but... Marisol. I, I well, I'm always... from the South, so Marisol. Marisol. Mar yeah. My, my Marisol. grandmother, Mackle, my grandma McElvain used to call me Marta So because she was from the South, too. So I've heard a bunch of things. Marta So that's your maiden name, McElvain? Mcelvain is my maiden name, yes. Okay. And my married name, I can't fully pronounce so right because your husband's yet. iranian yes yeah i was thinking it's, it's an iranian man named mcelvain <laughs> like, this is a super interesting family <laughs> who is this mark how long have you lived in los angeles i moved here in uh, 98 it's been a lot longer than i expected 1998 <laughs> yeah 
a lot longer than I expected. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. planning on no, this. No, it's been good, though. Okay, I'm, good. I'm here. I'm still good. here. Good. <laughs> okay, so we're here in the studio tonight with Mark Brignoni, whose name I know how to pronounce, and <laughs> Marisol McIlvain. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Sure. Okay, good. Sure. That's a little bit <laughs> condescending. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, they're here because they have an interesting story that we think our listeners are going to enjoy. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about where you guys work and what you do and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. Can mm-hmm. you just give us a little bit of background? Yeah. Well, we work uh, for a big uh, travel and entertainment company. We work in marketing. For marketing and advertising for that company. And it takes us to a lot of interesting places around the world, literally. A big company that shall remain unnamed. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. So you're you're working in advertising, right? That's right. Technically. I, I should point out that Mark and I worked together for many years, long before I started this podcast, because I used to edit television commercials, which I think I've mentioned on the show. We cut hundreds, hundreds of, of Mitsubishi commercials. That's right. Yes. <laughs> we had fun, though. We had some yes. fun. There was a lot of uh, Mario Kart. Yeah. Sitting um, in dark edit rooms yeah. for hours <laughs> yeah. and hours and hours. Yeah. yeah. So you guys took a trip. For your work, yes, we did. To we did a we took a big trip to Norway about two years ago, Mm -hmm. and it was a long two week shoot, filming for a big travel piece that we were doing, and uh, our company was setting up a destination there. Nice. Okay. And so, had you either one of you ever been to Norway before? I had been to Norway before. Oh, cool. I went in 2009 for fun, or my brother actually lives there with his Norwegian wife. Oh, and that's so cool. I'd gone to visit Oslo before. Uh, this time when we went, we were more on the West Coast, and then we ended in Oslo, but we were more more on the West Coast. Of is, is Oslo, I've never been. Is Oslo Eastern? or Yeah, it's on the okay. Eastern side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it near the coast? It is, but it's a little bit further south okay. than we were up kind of on the Upper West not upper, upper west, west but like <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually let me let me rephrase that so also is on the east but it's a little bit further south and okay. we were on the west side okay oh that's that's cool i would love to go to oslo because i am a i'm i mean it's kind of a cliche i guess but i'm a big fan of monk and uh edvard monk mm-hmm. there's a oh, museum yeah. there i yeah. guess the scream is there i went it? to see did that. you go there i went to the oh. edvard monk museum when i was there the first time was that super cool it was amazing yeah. and all of his other work he does this wood carving work that he that he had done he went through this phase and that was beautiful stuff too and yeah i was really impressed so you went you guys went for this trip and you stayed in a hotel Mm -hmm. in a town i'm going to pronounce everything wrong i'm so glad that you have norwegian family because you can at least trust me we will pronounce it wrong (laughs) okay okay you were in geringer 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 thank you okay so you stayed at a hotel in geringer called the hotel union union hotel union hotel Hotel. yeah okay the interesting thing about this hotel is that it was hard to get a lot of information on. That's right. For a lot of reasons. Most of the websites are in Dutch and they translate poorly to English. And the other thing is there's another one called the Hotel Union. Or in, there's There are two hotels. So there's yeah. the hotel, the Union Hotel in Geringer. Uh-huh. And then their sister place is the Hotel Union Oi. Oi. I don't know. O-Y-E. Yes, Oi. Yeah. Oi, yeah. Oi, oi. Oi, oi. oi. Yes. My head. <laughs> yeah. Jewish Norwegians. <laughs> so, well, the, <laughs> this, is the, what, this is what I found out about those two hotels. Initially, I thought maybe the, because of the language barrier, the history on them was duplicated and incorrect. But it does seem like they were both built in 1891, and they looked nearly identical. They were built by a man who had made his fortune as an apothecary in, mm-hmm. in somewhere else in Norway. His name was A. Shield Drop. It's like Shield Rop, except there's a – no, it's not like that at all because there's a C-H. <laughs> anyway. Are there umplas? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do know that the hotel that we stayed in was built after the Oi. Okay. But how how long after? I, I don't know. Oh, well, know. see, no, this is the thing. The, the the one that you were in, I think, was remodeled at some point because I did read that they were built to look like each other originally. Correct. Okay. That's right. Okay. So that was the thing that was a little confusing about it. The other thing is – well, well, we'll get to that later, actually. And you can see I found this is pretty cool. I found this is uh, – there's a book here called Bennett's Handbook for Travelers in Norway. I found this online. It's from 1902. And I was looking up Shield Drop, and uh, I found his name associated with a hotel in Bergen, also in Norway, hmm. 
uh, called the Hotel Metropole, which is not there anymore. Anyway, I think that's the guy that built it, but mm -hmm. he only had it a few years. And then it was sold to, God help me, the, the Majelvas. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, it, their last name is M-J-E-L-V-A. Sounds um, obscene. Yeah. And it's like, reminds me of the Seinfeld Mulva episode. Yes. Um, it's Julie and Carl M Mielva, Majelva. I'm... Norwegians can just email me when they get mad about this. Um, and these guys were very industrious. They were entrepreneurs and they built a power plant. And also they were building automotive systems for Opel, which I'm a big fan of Opel. They made some pretty cool cars and some bakery or something that I guess is still <laughs> operating. Someone else has. So there's a lot, of, a lot of rich history there going back to the 1890s. Now, you guys had an experience that I want to get to here pretty directly. And then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about where that might have originated. Mark, why don't you tell your part of the story right. first? Okay. What was interesting about this whole trip to begin with was I had never been to Norway and I had no expectation of what the place was going to be like. And, you know, it's not like, oh, you're going to Tokyo, or you're going to Paris, and there are all these iconic things that come to mind. And when we got there, I was blown away. It was one of the most, I mean, I fell in love with Norway. It was one of the most beautiful stunning, majestic places I'd ever been to. Right before our experience at this hotel, we had spent the entire day on a ferry going through the Geringer Fjord. And it's huge. I had, I'd never been in a fjord bef before this. And so just the whole experience leading up to our experience was really magical. It was beautiful. The water, the air, it's so fresh and clean. So you're experiencing that. And also we've been working all day. We were shooting and filming and working with our talent on this boat. And so we got in at the – Just quickly, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you real quick yeah. because I'm in the business that you're in. Yes. I'm just going to quickly say that when someone who does what we do refers to talent, we're referring to oh. people that are in <laughs> our productions. <laughs> right. Mark is not saying I was working with my talent <laughs> like some sort of egomaniac. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> Uh, anyway, okay. <laughs> so, so you're working with your talent. We're working with our talent. <laughs> so we've been working all day filming on this ferry ride, and it was so ma it was magical and it was beautiful. And we get to the hotel. It's at the end of the day, and you're right there. You're pretty when the when the ferry gets in. The hotel is pretty close, and it's picture postcard perfect. It's white and beautiful, and it's lush and green around it. And you hear like water coming off of the glaciers behind the hotel. It's, it's gorgeous. And no big deal. You just, here we are, end of our day, production wrapped. Go check into our hotel. Very basic, boring stuff, right? And then we all go and we have, we have dinner. We had dinner that night, just as you do. And then you go to your hotel, just like you do any normal hotel experience. And you turn on CNN and you turn on the lights and you get your robe and you putter around and, and enjoy the good life. And you, the good life. <laughs> and you know, it's like, all right, that's all done. Time to go to bed. And I turn all the, off all the lights and put my head down on the pillow. You can hear the, the river behind the hotel. It's the glacier water coming off. And uh, so it was very peaceful and I'm just starting to drift away. And then, out of nowhere, this huge waft of women's perfume, like blooms right in my face. And it was so jarring that I like, my eyes snapped open and I sat straight up. I was like, what was that? It was such a random smell. The, the air around, around us is so clean. In Norway, the the glacier water and it's all that. It's famously clean. It's, yeah. it's like the cleanest air in the world. That's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you don't get over it. You're yeah. just like, it is so clean. That's right. something that you say. Right. I mean, someone. you're walking down the street in LA or whatever, and you're smelling everything. And everything was so pure that this smell really dramatically stood out. And so I was like, that was strange. And I, I was sniffing my sheets, sniffing my pillow, thought maybe it was detergent, sniffing my hands, thought maybe it was the soap. And I couldn't identify that anywhere. And the smell, as soon as I had sat up in bed, the smell went away. And it was then afterward, it was the memory of the smell. 
Can I ask you a quick question? Mm-hmm. How, were you in a large room or a comfortable size room, or was it really small, like New Yorky room, or like? No, it was a medium, medium sized room. It wasn't like a big suite. It wasn't. There what were two was the... queen beds, I think, in there. You know. Okay, and what was the construct? Was this an old building, or was this a seventies building, or like a? This was so in the hotel. There are two parts. There's the old section and the new section, and we were in the old section. Are we talking the, the um, 1891 section? Yes. Or, okay. Is that right? But it was remodeled. Remodeled, but, but, it was rem- was... but it was originally the original structure that you were in. Right. Okay. Right. And in fact, where the new structure meets the old structure inside, like there's a weird like ramp, like the hallway becomes a little yes. weird ramp and then goes into an L and then into the new section. Yes. So it's yes. very clearly an add-on. Yes. And I've actually stayed at a hotel like this, the Grove Park Inn in Asheville, North Carolina. Same thing. Grove Park Inn's been there forever. Famous spa, all this stuff. F. Scott Fitzgerald used to stay there. And that part is like 10% of the ginormous newer stuff that's right. all tacked on. But everyone wants to stay in the old rooms, which I did. It was really cool. F. Scott Fitzgerald used to have this room by the where he could see the ladies arriving. He would look down <laughs> at the door. Okay, so do you remember like what the climate control was like? Did it have central air? Did it have radiator heat? I did actually have... had my windows. My sliding glass door was open. Okay. It was pretty cool. Looking out of water? Or? Yeah, there was water back there, and, and I liked the sound of the water. So Was I there a super perfumey lady standing outside? No, there was not. Was there a place for someone to stand outside? There was. There was a, <laughs> there was a balcony. But I mean, like, outside of that, I, what I'm asking, what oh. we ask on behalf of our listeners, is all the things that might have caused the smell to drift into your face, Would there was there a gathering area out your window, or was it, like, woods and rivers? No, and it, it was – few no. words. What's that? Woods and rivers and fjords. And, and fjords. <laughs> no, it was um, not that. I forgot what floor we were we on. We were on a higher level for yeah. sure. Okay, yeah. so that rules a lot out. Yeah. I mean, it and was, it was, the like you said, the river and the woods outside. There was areas on the first level, but nothing close to us because we couldn't actually hear anything any, right. out okay. of our windows. Okay. Yeah. All right. So continue, please. So – I you know was smelling everything around me, my clothes, my sheets, and there was the smell was gone. As quickly as it had started, it just yes, vanished. Correct. Okay. And I felt strange, and I said, "Well, that was weird. I must have just imagined that." And I just I dismissed it. So I went, put my head back down on the pillow, went back to sleep, started drifting away. And as I was drifting away. Boom, there it was again. It like this huge waft of women's perfume right in my face. And this time, all the hairs on my body stood up. I was like, whoa, what is going on? And I, I actively got up out of bed, walked around, kind of like paced around, looking around, not knowing what I was looking for, but trying to identify what the smell was. At this point, I didn't believe that I imagined it like I did the first time. And there was nothing to be done. I was like, okay, that happened. Can I ask you a couple mm-hmm. of quick questions? Yeah. Are you one of those people that could tell like tea, rose, perfume, or anything like that? Any particular smells to it or just that it was perfume? I couldn't do it. I, I'm not I, saying that you should be able to. I'm just curious. Just women's perfume. Yeah, I would have no idea how to. And strong. And very strong. As if someone took an atomizer and sprayed it in my face. Okay. And would you say that the feeling you had the second time when you got up and the hair stood up on your neck, that was more than just a reaction to smelling it? You were you ha- you were sensing something. I felt, yeah. I definitely felt that I was not alone. Okay. That's great. Okay. So continue. Um, but then I didn't know what to do. There was nothing to be done. So I tried to go in bed, <laughs> to bed again. And I did. And I went back to sleep, and, and that was I was a little anxious. I was laying there in the room, kind of like, you know, closing my eyes really hard. And but then I went to sleep and woke up the next morning, and that was it. Great. Okay. And well, and then I walked down to so the next morning. So I get up, and it's kind of in the back of my head, like that thing happened. But I'm now getting ready to start the the work day. And I go downstairs to our breakfast, and I sit down. And I sit next to my producer, I sit next to Marisol and my other partner. And we're eating and just eating and kind of small talk. And then I say, the weirdest thing happened to me last night. (laughs) And so I shared this story 
to Marisol, and she had a similar thing happen to her. Yeah, so what happened? How far apart was your room from his room? I think we were right next door to each other, no? No, no. Uh, Jim was in between us. Oh, that's right. Okay. In fact, he, he to this day, feels left out. <laughs> so nothing, nothing happened to Jim. But nothing, nothing happened, happened to Jim. Jim. But they were, uh, you guys were all on the same floor, though. Yes. yes. Right? In a row. In a row. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so what? So when Mark told you this story, what was your reaction? I was very freaked out because I had experienced something myself, and I didn't want to believe it to be true. And so it was very, uh, yeah, I was really freaked out at breakfast because I was like, something happened to me last night. And um, just, so the same lead up, I came back to the room after our day was done and uh, just got ready for bed, didn't turn on the TV or anything, just shut off the lights, put my head down. And as I was drifting off to sleep, I heard and felt the sensation of someone fluffing my pillow and it was right next to my obviously my ears but I just felt like on each side of my head someone had fluffed my pillow for me and unlike Mark I instantly freaked out because it was so it was so real and I turned on the lights and I um, was really scared because I am terrified of anything supernatural so I instantly just felt that was what was happening. And I tried to go back to sleep and I had a very restless sleep that night, but nothing else happened. But I was really, really on edge all night long. Cause all right. Can I ask you a couple of questions about, and by the way, you, you're welcome to. Yeah. Did, uh, one thing that you shared was, uh, didn't you speak to whoever you thought might've been there? You know, I don't remember. I, Cause you told me that you said, if you're trying to make me feel relaxed, and at home, please don't. <laughs> I think you said something along those lines. Mm, yeah, I don't remember. Why are you terrified of the supernatural? Because um, lots of people are. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm. I'm just curious about. Yeah. What scares you about? Is it a fear of death? Is it a fear like? And not to get put you on a couch. Here right. No. No. And don't start crying and don't tell me about <laughs> your mother. But <laughs> a long time ago. No. I. It's probably something along the lines of if I can't explain it or rationalize it or maybe control it, then, you know, I'm afraid it's going to be something evil in a way or something that I, you know, maybe just can't control. I don't know. There's, it's just something that I get really scared even thinking about. I don't well, know. Well, it's interesting. And part of that, there's a lot of things about that. One is, I'm going to say, go ahead and say, because you actually are a producer and I have lots of friends and know lots of producers, you got the producer gene, which gives you the control problems right there. <laughs> So, yeah, you can't really produce a ghost, so that's a problem. Right. <laughs> or <laughs> produce it away. Yeah, or exactly. produce it away, yeah. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was the pillow fluffing. Do you feel like that was a waking moment? Do you distinctly remember a physical sensation of the pillow being moved? I do. Okay. I I felt the pillow. You were awake enough to know that that was not in your head or a dream as you were about to be falling asleep? Well, that I can't be okay. for sure. Because, okay. And that's why the morning breakfast freaked me out right, so much. Right, because you were like, I'm writing this off. Right. And then Mark comes down. I have to down. write this off. Yeah. You know, I feel like I have to write this off because I can't take that. And then the next morning when Mark told his story, I, I that's when I really freaked out because I, I felt something and I knew – it was real, but I wanted to deny it. You know? Yeah, right. Your denial went out the window when he came down and was exactly. like, hey, guess what happened to me? Right. Okay. So, so so much so that the next day I actually did not sleep the whole entire night. I I, I stayed up drinking with, with crewmates because I was so scared <laughs> to go back to my room. Really? And mm-hmm. so you stayed out super late. And then so you wound the up going back hours. to the room, buzzed, and just passed out. Basically. In wee hours of the morning. Yeah. Like, I don't want to tell Mark that, but yeah, I didn't get a lot of sleep and I drank a lot. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, all right. So the story continues, right? The story continues. What, what happened next? So we shared that story at breakfast and um, it helped it helped me to know that oh, – You weren't crazy. So you're both confirming cra- you're not crazy. Correct. Yeah. Right. So, okay. all right, shared experience. And then, all right, well, that happened and you kind of – move on. And so we went back to work. We spent the rest of, the, of our day going. One of us moved on. I didn't move <laughs> on. <laughs> I checked out. And um, we came back after a long day and we had a fabulous meal. One of the best meals I've ever had. And it was this traditional Norwegian meal. And they had this, um, it was 
in this beautiful little cottage in the back of the hotel. And it was just wonderful. It was just the entire crew and um, uh, all of our actors and uh, our, our talent. Your talent. <laughs> you, I, I was not my talent. Not my talent. I was just there with my talent. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a great time. And so uh, someone – I don't know who it was. Someone suggested that there was this really beautiful, large, heated pool. And someone suggested that everyone – go after dinner and hang out in the pool and in, enjoy that. And everyone was like, great, let's go do that. And so you were drinking the whole time, right? Well, I was not drinking. I don't drink. You don't drink at all? Nope. Drugs? Nope. So you're sober? I am. How, been, how long? Pushing 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Well, congratulations. That's Thank awesome. You. I Thank think you. that's important for people to know, especially for the next part of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so stone cold sober. <laughs> yes, stone cold right. sober. Had I been there and going to an amazing pool and having dinner, I probably would not have been. Right. So you after, would have been like Marisol. Yeah, yeah. that was my side of the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Okay. All right. Um, and, and maybe that, that was one of the, the reasons because people, people were hanging out and still drinking and cavorting around. And I was more than happy just to, to move on and, and go up. So I went up to my room. And to get ahead of things, and also to kind of just relax and take my time, get my bathing suit and, and whatnot. Prep. Hmm? prep. And prep, <laughs> yes, and prep, and zhuzh. <laughs> nice. And uh, so, I get undressed, get my bathing suit, get a pair of slippers, and I'm literally about to walk out the door, and I realize, oh, I need a rope. You know, walk walk through the hotel without the, all nuded up. The, you know, <laughs> the ugly American, the ugly American, and believe me, it ain't pretty. Um, and so I grab the typical terry cloth robe out of the closet, and I put my arms through the sleeves, and I went and I grabbed the belt, and I just nor- this is just normal actions. And as I, I'm pulling to tie the belt, I can't pull it. There's a like it got caught on something, um, thinking that it got caught on the closet door or terry cloth, right? Maybe it was just stuck in the belt loop. And when I went back to test it, it was it was playing just fine. Like I was doing – making that belty motion. Looking right? like a complete idiot. <laughs> like, yes, exactly. Alone in your room. Alone in my How room. does this thing work? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said – again, it was like, oh, that was odd. And I wrapped my robe around me and – go to tie the belt again and then this time I was tough like as someone had grabbed my belt and pulled on it and I practically leapt out of my robe because I was like I, I I have to admit I kind of kind of squealed a little bit. My version of a squeal was kind of like oh (laughs) nice and and I immediately in that moment I, I was. I knew I wasn't alone in that in that moment. How wh- how significant was this tug? It was a tug that you know. If I demonstrate on a marathon, you see, it was it was like this. It was a pull. It was a physical pull. Like I went back. You had to adjust I, your. Footing. I had to adjust my my footing. I didn't like go. All, I didn't take a step back. Right. I wasn't going to fall, but I had to. My body had to balance itself. And it was all coming from the belt. It was coming right from the belt, right from the lower middle of my back where the belt was. Wow. Yeah. And so I let out my squeal. <laughs> and, then, and I physically stepped to the side and was telling myself, was calming myself down. was like, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Just tie your belt and leave. No perfume smell with this. No perfume smell at all. I stepped to the side as if I was stepping aside from someone standing there. And I was keeping my eyeballs riveted on that spot that was behind me. Which is empty air. Which is empty air. (laughs) (laughs) And and frankly, feeling foolish. Of course. Um, And scared to death. And and, At the same time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A little little anxious. I I very methodically tied my belt. And I was calming. I was like saying just – I was literally talking myself down. I was like, just be calm. Just – Go get your key and leave the room. I left all the lights on in the room and I actually turned on like CNN <laughs> right. and left it on <laughs> so, so that it would scare whatever was in there away. Or at least when I came home, it wasn't – came back to the room. It wasn't some empty, dark, creepy room. CNN scares me. So. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I walk out of the room and I close the door and I knew I wasn't alone. 
I, this, you could feel someone still. There, I, was, I was with someone. There was no doubt I was with somebody. Someone was walking with me. And I was. it was everything I could do not to kind of like really like almost like jog walk really fast down the hallway to get to the elevator. I was like just telling myself just to chill out. Are you feeling it like behind you or next to you? I felt or? it behind me. I felt it like just behind me and to the right. Okay. It was specific. It was specific. So it's behind you and to the right. You're walking down the hall. I'm walking down the hallway, and I'm literally like looking. There are all these um, framed pictures lining the hallway. Oh my! And so I'm it's lo- like the I, I, it's like the haunted house thing at Disney. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it couldn't be worse. <laughs> the right. eyes are following. Right. You. Yes, <laughs> you got this well, thing that, behind you. But that was the thing. I was looking for reflections in the glass in these framed pictures because I thought. Oh, so you're like. Yeah, maybe is there? Am I? Of course, I didn't see anything. Oh my god, this is really scary. So you're you're like. You're going down the hall. You're so freaked out. You're like trying to surreptitiously determine if you can see something behind you. That's right. Oh. That's right. And I, I felt like I was the only person. Marisol does not like this story. <laughs> I, I also felt like I was the only person on that floor. Everyone had was still downstairs eating, uh, not just our group, but lots of the other guests were all downstairs. It felt very quiet and empty. I felt alone. How many rooms are on this floor, or how long is this hallway? Are we talking like The Shining, or? Um, well, it, it was long. 20, I mean, 30, 50? Uh, 15. Oh, okay. From where we were to the elevator. About. And they were mostly our rooms on, both, that on both sides of the hall? No, there was no. only on one side. Oh, so fifth, only maybe 15 rooms. Yeah. So very plausibly could have been empty. Correct. That's right. But either way, the other thing that some people might say, and and, um, Forrest would say if he was here, is that that you might have been getting that feeling from the entity, a feeling of emptiness. Hmm. There, you know, we wouldn't get... That make you feel good, Marisol? Gosh, you know, to press my <laughs> the buttons. Look, the look on her face is great. It's just so funny because I'm thinking about how I was downstairs and I'm like, nope, I'm not going to go swimming tonight because I'm not going to go upstairs to go back to my room to get my bathing suit. I'm just going to stay downstairs. I'm just, I was so into, I'm like, I'm so fearful that I'm running away from even the possibility of running into anything again. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So well, that's interesting though, because when I did go back up to the room, the the entire section of the hotel, our floor, my room had – it felt hollow. Okay. It had a very hollow feeling, almost like like air pressure dropped a little bit is kind of how it felt. It was like um, – yeah, just that it was like barometric pressure fell or something like that. I don't know. Was it any stuff e- up. ectoplasm on the wall? No, there wasn't okay. any. All right. So, yeah. so, all right. So this thing's following you down the hall. Yeah. How long does this continue for? All the way to the elevator. And – at one point, I actually even turned around and walked backwards to, and to see if I could sense anything even stronger or see anything in the reflections of, of the glass on the walls. Of course, I, there was nothing there that I could physically detect, but, but I, that I could see. When you turned around, did you feel like that thing was now in, in front of you? Yes. I felt like, so you no, feel like you were face to face? I was face to face. It was walking forward as I was walking backwards. That's how it felt. And then I turned around and strutted my way down to the elevator, and I must have pressed that down elevator when I got there like four or five times, click, 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 to, you know, call that thing up. And I just stood there, and whatever was with me was standing right beside me, as it like waiting for the elevator with me. And I stepped in as the doors open. I just stepped in and I kind of did a, a pivot, like a soldier pivot around and looked out. And I knew I was looking at something there was looking back at me. And as soon as those elevator doors closed, the feeling went away. Feeling completely went away. And then I went back down and pretend like nothing had happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, wow. Was there any sort of uh, emotional vibe you were getting from this thing? Happy, sad, mad, oppressive, wanted you to leave, didn't want you to leave, didn't care, indifferent? Um, None just of hovering. that. I did not get any So it wasn't feeling. like when you were looking at it, you sensed like an evil thing trying to make you feel bad. Not at all. But that was just naturally happening. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I didn't feel like it was It was trying to push me out. I didn't feel like... Just hanging out with it. It was trying to freak me out. It was just hanging. Yeah. Well, that's good. So by my assessment and a lot, a lot of the stories that Forrest and I have heard, you were lucky. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That just made me feel really <laughs> awful. <laughs> uh, so 
When you originally told me this story, you said something about talking to the hotel management? Yes, Marisol. I, you oh, had, had a conversation at dinner. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what, I, t- t- let's talk about that. I had – he'd come up and he had introduced himself as a general manager. He was kind of came as we were eating dinner. And I, and I said, oh, you might be an interesting person to talk to. I'm just curious if you had ever heard anything about a ghost. And he stopped and he kind of like – I, I wouldn't say hesitant or just like – yeah. He seemed reluctant to give it up. Like the, tell me this because you you have family in Norway by marriage. Mm-hmm. Do you have any sense of what – Norwegian culture is like as it relates to ghosts and hauntings and all that kind of stuff? Are they reverent to it, irreverent, disbelieving? I actually don't know. So you've never come up in the conversation. But you know what? The feeling of Norway, everything is so old, you know? And so I think it's just kind of ripe with that feeling of just, you know, something ancient that's there. Because as you were saying, the hotel felt, it did feel so empty, even if it wasn't. That's right. It did feel empty. It just felt just so... The, the whole energy in that area mm-hmm. was, I don't know how to describe it. Right. And it's because it's a hotel in the middle of... Geringer is a, such a small place and it's in the middle of nowhere. It's been there forever and it's just in this old forest and I don't know, it just felt, everything felt so... Old and alone. <laughs> so, and so when the manager came up to you and you said, you said, what did you tell him that you're, you said, you said to him. I you, asked him, I'm sorry, go ahead. Is this place haunted? Yes. I, well, I asked him if he'd heard of any ghost situations in the hotel. And like I said, he was a bit reluctant. He, like he didn't, yes, there, there are some ghosts. That- so he's clearly not trying to capitalize on the potential tourism benefit of a hotel being haunted in this particular case. No, he didn't seem like he wanted to address it, really. He didn't seem like it was something that they he was proud of or, you know. It, w- it wasn't a uh, uh, kind of a, a sales grabber, if right. you will. <laughs> right. Cause, well, because in the U.S., they're immediately going to be, oh, yeah, I'm, did it hit you? You know, like, right. whatever, because they want, they get, oh, to, to go on TripAdvisor and say we're haunted, we're going to get all kinds of. Ugly Americans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so did he give you any kind of backstory, any kind of theory on who or what you might have encountered? He did. And I will ask for your help on this, Mark. Well, first of all, the the, the general manager, you told me he was very reluctant. He didn't want to get into it. In fact, it, when he told the story, it sounded like you uh, – it sounded to you like he was actually just omitting a lot of stuff, right? He was just giving you the basics. Right. He did not uh, embellish anything. He kind of just – and just said it, you know, this is what happened, boom, 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 right. and he was done. Right. Um, but apparently when the hotel was built or anyway, like 100 years ago, whatever it was, right, there was a one of the local people who worked there, a man who worked for the hotel, so I don't know what, he didn't say what he did, fell in love with one of the guests who apparently was one, some society woman, and they were having this covert affair. But then they were found out, and the relationship was immediately severed. And they, they were apparently madly in severed. love. Nice choice of words. Nice <laughs> yeah, really. You do tell a good story. <laughs> and uh, the man who worked there, I think he got fired. I believe that – I think that For that sleeping was – sleeping with high society. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. I, I believe that was part of the story. I'm not sure if that's me embellishing. Nonetheless, apparently he was so bereft that he hung himself in – the hotel. Okay. So in that, a room. That's one. In a room. The general manager said it was in a room. He hung uh, himself in a in a room. He didn't offer which room. He did didn't he? offer which room it was. So uh, <laughs> maybe he was uh, trying to get a hold of your belt for another reason. It's funny, but you say that, and I don't know if we have a theory. Oh, do we? I have a theory. I don't you know. Well, but that's well, that's funny. It's I don't know if so. My second encounter. Right where I had my belt pulled, I just always felt there was a female presence, and I don't know if I was imbuing that on that feeling based upon my perfume experience the night before. Right, right. Okay. So I don't know. Okay, if, no, yeah. but that's significant. If you felt that, and a lot of people say that, we've had other guests on that they've they've it's been very clear whether it was a male or female pres- presence that they were experiencing. So that's interesting. And what's your theory? Well. I don't know what happened to the woman, but they were both in love. It wasn't, you know, unrequited. So my theory was that, you know, the man was actually with me and that the female was with 
mark. And there, I don't know, that that's, and she was, it seemed to me that she was being amorous. Right, you. right. Maybe she <laughs> and, likes and young he, women. And he was taking care of your needs. He was. He, he was felt, plumping your pillows. He, it felt like somebody who <laughs> worked at the hotel. From severed to plumping. <laughs> Good words. Oh, yeah. I'm married, so I'm going to refrain from making a joke about plumping your pillows. Well, I wasn't going to right, exactly. We're all married. We're all married. You, <laughs> anyway, so your pillows were plumped. <laughs> wow. So this is a really amazing story. Well, here, so here's what I found out about the Hotel Oi. And this is fascinating because they're both part of the, um, the same ownership, right? And they, when you look on the websites, the hotel – because they call it the Union Oi too, don't they? It's also called Union, I think. Well, it seems like it on the internet, but from from the way, the way I understand it is we were in the Union Hotel. You were in the Union Hotel. When I looked up Union Hotel, the one in Oi came up as well. Correct. Clearly, they have the same ownership, but I don't know right. if the word Union is attached to the one in Oi. I feel like it might be. I, I think, think it, it is. is. Okay. All right. So, okay. So you guys harmonized there. <laughs> so um, this is what I found about the the other hotel. And I'm pleased to hear you tell the story that you just told because the first time you told me, it sounded similar to a story associated with the other hotel. Now, the Norwegians, at least on the internet, they refer to them as being pretty close together, but they're actually 45 kilometers apart. It's almost a two-hour drive. Hang on. Let me see here. In Norwegian distances, that's close. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's two hours and three minutes, 44 kilometers between these two hotels, which were built – to look like each other. They've been hand-in-hand hand since they were built. According to the website and the history associated with the one in Oi, during one of Kaiser Wilhelm II's visits, a beautiful maid drowned here, Ophelia-style, after her lover committed suicide. Huh. He was a member of the German emperor's military entourage, and his wife back in Germany had refused to grant him a divorce. She is said to still be heard sobbing in the blue room. This is the other hotel now, uh, two hours away. In the Blue Room. This does not put the guests off, however. The room is so popular that reservations have to be made a year in advance. So that room at the other one is a hot potato. People want to get into that room. Well, that's not the right way to use hot potato. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to acknowledge that and leave it alone. But that's a different story from what you guys were told by the general manager at the one you were at who wasn't trying to capitalize on it, which is actually even – makes it even more frightening in a way mm-hmm. because of the strangeness to it. So thank you guys so much for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Being thank a friend you. of the show. I right. um, hope we don't have reason to come back <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. tell another story. Yeah, you don't want to get that call from no. me. So that was a pretty great story. Oh, yeah. What would you call it? Is that an encounter of some kind? <laughs> of a that's very a direct well, that, It's the first one that we've had in the history of our show, which, yeah. you know, it's only not, not a very long you know, history. episodes, but <laughs> yeah, um, we're getting there. It's the first one we've had with that was there was a physical encounter. Yes, touch, a, a, a touch. Now, he didn't see anything. No. Ne- and neither did Marisol. Uh, that's correct. But definitely. She had a physical. Oh, she yeah. Felt, now, granted, she was on the cusp of falling asleep. Right. Which. Well, we go know, back to. Yeah, we talked a billion times yeah. about. Hypnopompic. Uh, yeah, no, hypnopompic I'm sorry. Hypnagogic. And, <laughs> hypnagogic and old yeah. hag syndrome and all right. that crap. But my thing is, and even with me having something called exploding head syndrome, which is this thing where you hear this really loud noise. Right. And it wakes you up. Yeah. Which, and actually, you and I were on a trip once and stayed in a hotel and it happened to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I I I just as vividly remember it because... Because I woke up and said, did something fall in the bathroom? And, and then, of course... It was so loud. Yeah. And I remember clearly that it sounded like a big, heavy thing ba- bottle had like fallen oh, down. Oh, no, no. I knew, I knew you were convinced, uh, which also then tends to freak me out a little because should I have heard it? Yeah. You know? yeah. Or, why didn't I hear it? Yeah. Why didn't I hear it? Because well, you were convinced. You definitely swore that you heard a loud crash in right. the bathroom. Right. Yeah. But and it, as much as that happens to me and it's weird and it's all, it pretty much meets the clinical definition of something called exploding head syndrome there's no physicality to it right i've never perceived i've never perceived a physical thing happening when she's saying the pillow was being fluffed or plumped which we joked about (laughs) but um (laughs) i vote for fluff yeah yeah, when when that was happening i feel like even if she was on the cusp of sleep that's not if you look at the hypnagogic and hypnopompic things that happen and only one of those applies to when you're falling asleep but if you look at it you don't ever read that they say not a deep there's feeling, not a physical yeah 
thing happening to you. Like the air in the room has you been sucked out. You see things in the room. Yeah, yeah. but or, I mean, a pillow the... being physically fluffed yes. around your head. Right. There's none of that going on. So right. I tend to believe that that actually happened. But getting back to exploding head syndrome, one of the things that it points out, I know that I heard that sound in my head. Sure. Now, obviously, it was an imaginary sound in my case, but it was very real. And I think a lot of times in these stories, and I just was watching one of these ghost chasing shows the other day, which not a huge fan of those, I got to admit, <laughs> but some of them are pretty neat. But yeah. And this guy was like crawling into a basement crawl space that they felt like, and the psychics they brought in felt like everything was centered around this hole in the in the basement wall going under the foundation he was climbing in with his flashlight and a uh, like a zoom recorder or a camera or something. No, a camera, video camera. Mm-hmm. And he just immediately the camera was the real their camera crew man was behind him. The guy just like dropped the flashlight and backed out. And he's like, "Did you hear that? Did you hear that?" Wow. And he heard a voice. Yeah. In his ear, it whispered in his ear. I can't remember what it said. Doesn't really matter. But the point is that like he heard it. The other guy didn't. Mm-hmm. Now and he was wide awake. But but I guess my point is, and I think you and I may have talked about this before. It's like I think sometimes. What you're experiencing is just for you, I, because I feel like this communication, if you believe in ghosts, and I don't even know if I believe in ghosts or not, I'm still waiting for something. I want really? to believe it. I want them to be real. Okay. I'm still waiting to personally experience it. And I guess I believe in them enough that, yeah, you know, I'm afraid to go to Greyfriars Kirkyard. But yeah. for me, actually, there's a different thing between a ghost and a malevolent energy form, like that a lot of people call demonic. I, you know, whether it's a demon or something that's just dark and bad. Yes. I have a fear of those, even though I'm not sure they're real. So if you ascribe to, you know, my theory that is rooted in nothing but personal <laughs> belief. Right. Oh, I was going to say nothing at that. all. Okay. Yeah, nothing it at is, all. Yeah. Fine. All right. Personal belief, nothing <laughs> at all. Uh, same thing. Is that if these things are just some sort of physics that we don't understand and it's related to dimen- interdimensions, parallel universes, quantum mechanics, and string theory, and all that kind of stuff, and it seems spooky to us just because we don't get it, then I think it's possible that the communication can come to you through your senses in a way that it's it's actually not occurring in the outside world. Now, that's really convenient, and it, you know, it plays back into uh, confirmation bias and that sort of thing because it's like, well, yeah, I mean, a debunker can't attack you because you're saying, right. no, it's possible for this to all be inside your head. And then what are they going to They can't argue it, so there's, they're, they're going to say, well, you're just saying that because you don't want to be disproven. Yeah, right. Yeah, but But I do feel like... Uh, and there's of all the ghost stories, and you listen to Jim's show all the time. Jim Harold, yeah. we talk about him a lot. Um, I haven't heard it as much. I've heard a, a, a bunch of the really yeah. good ones, which you always. I probably heard hundreds of stories now. Yeah, right. And how many times are two people in the same room or the same area experiencing two completely different things in terms of their senses? Well, that's a that's a common thing, and that that will that will now branch off into abduction stories or missing time stories because we have one we have a story in the works that we're kind of uh, thinking about and outlining where two people experience missing time riding in the same car and they both have different memories of the trip and so i'm not going to give anything away and we're not even sure that uh, this person wants to tell it but with that particular phenomenon uh, of people experiencing different and seeing strange things along the way, like unusual things that stick in their memory. Right. And again, the difference between that and my exploding head problem, which, you know, thank God only happens to me once every right. couple of years. And you need your head intact. You know, and yeah. what happened to Marisol, right. who was sort of falling asleep, and then Mark, who was wide awake. And the missing time folks who are wide awake, when you're awake, you can't chalk it into any of those categories of sleep behaviors or yeah. hypnagogic, hypnopompic stuff. Well, yeah. Well, I was going to say, you, you reminded me of uh, something uh, I find uh, fascinating here is that science now, I think, kind of believes that we don't really see with our eyes. We see with our brains. And what, what I mean by that, it's not, yes, light is coming through. But it's not your eyeballs that are interpreting what these images are. It's your brain that's doing that. Oh, that's a good point. And, and, and maybe the same thing with hearing. I was listening to a, a podcast that I, I love and, and got me interested in podcasts in the first place called Radio Lab. And there was a story about a, a, a young woman who uh, was in a, a bad accident, lost her sight. And so what they were experimenting with was a pair of glasses that had a little camera on them, but it hooked to a, a sensory input device or transmitter device that was placed on her tongue, which is about the size of a postage stamp. And it was transmitting uh, electrical impulses that the glasses were interpreting for her. And eventually she could see with her tongue, essentially. Because wow. th- because it, it doesn't matter, like the, the, the light that's coming into your eyes, those are just patterns of, of light and shadow and color. 
And we, by the way, we've got a link to this uh, to this episode of Radio Lab on our website. Yes, uh, with the yes. show, so you can you can get to it. Yes, but but you make an one int- of one of our favorite podcasts. Oh, far just away. very well yeah. done. Right, and on. and yeah. and each time it's always interesting, and it's something that you you may know about and didn't and didn't know about. They bring something to light. We would like to sound as good as they sound, but I'm gonna just, I'm gonna <laughs> as I've tried to remind Forrest yeah. regularly, they have dozens of people working. for Well, them. it's a it's a sh- it's a radio it's a, show. Yeah, be, you know, with NPR behind it, but yeah. uh, and 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 it's just Scott here, and I yeah. just kind of talk. Every, every once in a while, <laughs> but the point is like no, that's a very interesting thing because is is something I don't know what it is. I'm not saying what it is. Is that manipulating the sensory input in your brain or ears or like because you you mentioned this before. It's like when you think you see something, is something being triggered in your head or is there actually a physical thing? Is it real or is it happening in your head? And you 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 often bring that point up. Yes, and the question is is it just because it's happening in your head does that mean it's not real? Right. Boy, and if you want to get either way down the the rabbit hole or way up wherever on the fringe or wherever you want to put it, then you start getting into the Hindu idea of the Maya, which is the illusion of the world, the illusion of our reality and how they believe that you're seeing everything that you see. Well, technically, it's a reflection. Yeah. What are you actually seeing? What is real? But, you know, uh, mass hypnosis or mass illusion is another thing where a group of people believe that something has become real or that they're seeing it. And and what is what are you really seeing? What is really going on in your head? So, yeah, that's a, No, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, it's super interesting, and it's it's a question. Frankly, we're not going to ever be able to answer on this show, right? Now, Mark, out dropping I, a bunch of acid or something. <laughs> no, and no even thing. then, you're not going to believe. Yeah, us. you know what? I, again, I, I gotta I gotta go work, so I, I don't yeah, need no, any twelve hour experiences. <laughs> I'm questioning reality. That's it for this episode. Special thanks to Marisol McIlvain and Mark Brugnoni for coming into the studio. Join us in two weeks when we'll be back with a show probably not about the Coral Castle. We wanted to tell our listeners about a podcast we've recently discovered called Fireside Mystery Theater. They perform old-fashioned radio shows on stage in New York with a horror twist and podcast it regularly. Check it out. Our theme was composed by Judson Crane and our sound design by Ryan McCullough. Special thanks to Jim Creative Design for our logo. Most importantly, we want to thank our listeners. You can find us online at AstonishingLegends.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Google+. Copyright Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess. Good night.